you need some support for your quality and regulatory affairs projects, don't hesitate to work with Easy Medical Device. Contact me at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info at easymedicaldevice.com. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and today we will discuss about IVD products. So as I've said, we have uh, talked a lot about IMDR. So I want to um, provide some episodes about IVDR. So I'm trying now to uh, work on many subjects. And the first subject I wanted to, um, to introduce is mainly the classification and uh, why this change, just the change of classification will make, uh, if I can say, the whole uh, in vitro diagnostic industry really struggling uh, because really there was a big change which um, there is a cascade, if I can say, there is really a, a cascade change because this change made that there is a lot of things that will be changing afterwards, so uh, which can create a lot of problems. And I wanted just to uh, follow up on that uh, with you. And uh, so uh, we will really discuss about uh, why um, the in vitro diagnostic uh, industry should really Uh, start or should really accelerate their transition to this new regulation, so the IVDR 2017-746, which is uh, the new new regulation, uh, which will replace the uh, in vitro diagnostic directive, which is 9879 EC. So, as I said, I want really to to focus on one thing, which is the classification. Uh, But before that, um, I want to explain first what is an in vitro diagnostic product. Uh, so mainly uh, we have had, uh, I have already made some definition about a medical device and you have to understand that the in vitro diagnostic uh, products are a subclass for cancer of medical devices. So it is also a medical device, but which has a specific uh, function. Um, it's nearly the same as uh, what is what is made on the 90 uh, 879EC, uh, which is like a reagent, a calibrator, a kit, uh, or any other um, elements, uh, apparatus, instruments, etc. There is just one word that is included here, which is also software. So before, uh, software was not included, and now it is included inside. So mainly, software can also be in vitro diagnostic uh, devices. And what is also changing is some of the functions of those in vitro diagnostic products. So Mainly, uh, we have some in vitro diagnostic uh, medical devices that are uh, here, which should do uh, an action related to the physiological or pathological process or state. So they should investigate on that. Uh, The congenital physical or mental impairment. So this is also something that is changing. The mental impairment was not included on the previous definition. Uh, Concerning also the predisposition to a medical condition or a disease. So mainly this is also something new that is introduced with the this new uh, definition uh, to predict the treatment response or reaction also something new and to define or monitor therapeutic measures which is also uh, included here on the definition so uh, you see that anything that is related to uh, 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 diagnostic 
in vitro means that it's not made on the human itself. It's like you are getting some samples and you are making some investigation on the samples coming from the from the human beings. Then uh, the result of those investigation on the samples can uh, be considered as um, uh, an in vitro diagnostic um, uh, so device so many the, the elements or the, the test or the kit that you are using to do that uh, can be considered as in vitro diagnostic uh, product. So um, this is a field that is uh, really important for the healthcare industry uh, because with that you can you can make a lot of tests and then define maybe some treatments for patients or define um, for example blood tests so to verify what is your group your blood um, blood resus uh, so a plus a minus o plus o minus etc uh, so which will help you will help the doctors then to define uh, which blood they have to give you in case you have an accident. So this is mainly something that is really critical for the industry. And um, one thing that is also really important here is really the, the fact that you are you have to define for each of the products uh, what is the risk class uh, for it. So mainly um, um, if this is really a highest risk product or lowest risk product. And this is something completely new with the, the new in vitro uh, diagnostic regulation, uh, because before that, what we be with, what we were doing is more like using a, a list based approach. So many uh, the list was like list one uh, is product that will be, uh, for example, here it says uh, related to determination of blood groups and the identification of markers uh, for various blood borne uh, patho pathogens like the HIV, like um, the some viruses, etc. that were used. So this was product that were on the list A. And then you have products that are on the list B uh, related to the detection of certain diseases. So there was some disease uh, mentioned there. Then there was also some classification like devices that are here for self-testing. And we have made an episode about self-testing uh, with um, Eric Volbrecht. So you can also have a look at it. And then we had all the other devices there. So mainly uh, the idea here was to say, if my product is on a list, then I have to do some actions. If my product is not on the list, then it's like self-certified mainly so because uh, you, you, you are doing uh, you are not needing any authority to review that etc so which was like uh, also a problem because um, nearly 15% of the in vitro diagnostic product uh, needed a notified body uh, to review what they were doing but mainly everything else doesn't need that so everything else could be self-certified so placed on the EU market without any notified body. And now it's completely the reverse. Uh, we have now a risk class based, which is exactly the same methodology as uh, what is used with the EUMDR. Uh, so mainly with the EUMDR, you have uh, 22 rules and you have to go through each rule and define if your product is following a certain rule. And each rule says, if your product is following this rule, then it is a class so with the MDR, it's class one, class two A, class two B or class three. Uh, and here now we have the same methodology or the same way to do that under the in vitro diagnostic regulation, which is also rule based. But instead of 22 rules, you have only seven rules. And but it's the same. It says that if your product is following a certain rule, then it's class 
A, B, C, D, because now the classification is different. So it's not like list one or list two. It's class A for lowest risk with a product with the lowest risk and class D with product with highest risk. So what is also great is that there is a different nomenclature related to MDR. So you have uh, the MDR, which is says class one, two A, two B and three. And you have the in vitro diagnostic regulation, which is class A, B, C, D. So how this classification was, I mean, how those rules were defined. So mainly there was a document, which is the IMDRF uh, principle of IVD classification document that was created. Uh, so this um, group, the IMDRF um, created the document and the EU Commission was inspired from this document that says specifically how you can classify those rules. And I will put this document in the in the show notes so that you can uh, have a look at it. Uh, so it's an important thing because, yeah, it's exactly saying that class A, B, C, D is doing like that, 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 uh, which is uh, something that is important. What we can go through is mainly also uh, a, a, a way to explain to you uh, how those classification are, are working. So mainly the classification is uh, is something that is uh, you have to start from the first rule until and go until the last rule. So you go for the first rule and it tells you something and then if it's not applicable you go to the next rule etc etc. So this is mainly how this is working. So if we go to the seven rules here is how it is working. You have the rule one of the in vitro uh, diagnostic regulation that says that if your product is for, for example, blood screening or high risk disease, then um, your product is class uh, D. If it is not like that, then you have to go to rule two. Uh, when you go to rule two, it says if your uh, product is for blood or tissue compatibility, so mainly to define that there is a compatibility between two uh, humans in terms of maybe of donation, for example, then uh, if it is yes, uh, it is class C. But if it is a high risk uh, blood groups, so I suppose there is some rare blood groups, then it is class D. So it's also something that is important. There is some exceptions on the rules. Then if it is no to the rule two, then you go to rule three, etc. So rule three is for infectious disease, for cancer testing, for companion diagnostics, which is also something quite new here. We'll talk about that later. Uh, for genetic testing, for congenital screening, then it is class C. Uh, if no, then you go to rule four, etc. And you arrive here until rule six, for example, which says uh, if none of the previous rules were applicable, then it is class uh, B. And uh, if it is, uh, and then there is a rule seven, which is the last rule, which is, says if your product is kind of a control uh, solution, control device, so it's mainly when you are making some tests, you need, you have the, the sample and you have the control to verify that you are maybe above or below a certain uh, limit on some um, materials and then the control um, solution or product will be class B also. So here, when you do all this classification, then you arrive to a, a letter. So as I've said, class A, B, C, D. And what you have to understand is that there is, um, um, I mean, all the products that are under class B, C, and D need a notified body. Uh, and only the products that are under class A 
uh, doesn't need identify body. And here, for example, the products that are under class A are the products that are uh, specific IVD reagents. So the reagents are some mixture or solution that are used for some tests, uh, some instruments that are used, also specimens, some receptacles, so the things that are receiving the samples. These are class A, and these don't need a notified body, but all the rest, mainly, nearly all the rest, uh, need a notified body. So this is why, as I've, I was telling you, before there was like 15% of the product that really needed a notified body uh, because they were under the list uh, A or B, uh, one or two. Uh, but now, mainly a small piece of the products are really under class A, uh, which means that those products doesn't need a notified body and all the rest need a notified body. And this is something that, is, as I've said, change, is changing completely the environment for in vitro diagnostic uh, because um, as I said, we need now notified bodies uh, to regulate all those products. As of today, if we look at the in vitro diagnostic um, directive, we have 18 notified bodies that can uh, certify your products, your in vitro diagnostic product, the 15% of the products that uh, are under in vitro diagnostic uh, directive. If you are looking now at the in vitro diagnostic regulation, there is only, as of today, only four notified bodies that can um, regulate your device. And we have until next year, May 26, 2022, uh, to start the application of the in vitro diagnostic uh, regulation. So you have only four notified bodies, four more than 75% of the business, uh, which is really a, a huge number. And this is something that where I want really to make an alert uh, first to the authorities to say, okay, we need really more notified bodies for that. And second to the manufacturers that say, okay, we have time. We have still one year. No, you don't have one year. You have, uh, because everybody will be rushing at the same time. So please try to be ready by now already try to choose from those four notified bodies if they are uh, available uh, to help you uh, because mainly those four notified bodies uh, will be, if I can say, uh, also having a bottleneck. Uh, they will not be able to absorb all the uh, manufacturers. So you have to start your transition now. Uh, so I don't know where you are in your transition, but it's something that is really, uh, really important for you to consider. Um, what is also important to understand is that, for example, before you had some products that were not with a notified body, like let's, let's take some examples like the COVID testing. So COVID testing when used, so just maybe some precision, when used by professionals, not self-testing because anything that was self-testing on the, under the in vitro diagnostic directive, you need a notified body. Everything that is used by a professional, so the professional is making the, uh, the test for you, then it is self-testing. But with the in vitro diagnostic regulation, this COVID-19 test, which if used by professional is self-declared, so self-certified, will be class D. So one of the highest class of the uh, regulation, uh, which means that you will have a need of notified body and you have to build a lot of documentation uh, for proving that this product is really uh, working correctly. Um, so this is one example. 
so it means that you have maybe a lot of products that are actually manufactured today that don't need a notified body, but there will be really a wall on the 26th of May 2022 where they will need a notified body and people will not be able to move forward without that. Because if you don't have a certificate, actually a notified body certificate, there is no transition for you. It means that by the 26th of May 2022, you will hit this wall. It will really hard transition. You have to have a notified body by this date. And as I've said, it's really a, a challenging situation actually with four notified bodies with a lot of manufacturers. I don't have the count, so I cannot tell you this, there is this amount of manufacturers or products with a lot um, because as I've said, as it was not a regulated area with um, a lot of self-certification. So there, was a, there were a lot of manufacturers that were um, placing devices on the market um, because it was easier for them. There was no um, evaluation by anybody. Um, and then it was uh, easier for them to do that also without uh, all the documentation because they will say, oh, it's self-certification, so I can do uh, whatever I want. If I can say nobody is really looking at what I'm doing. Now it will be the invert. Uh, they will not be able to sell their products at all by this date if they are not um, certified by a notified body. And this is really the, the danger here. The danger can be for these manufacturers, but also for the patients that will have to uh, get still the diagnostic, to have still to to be able to, to, to understand what is their health situation, the physiological process or state, if there is some congenital um, disease or whatever. If they cannot uh, receive those um, those information it can be also some some issue for them some maybe life threatening issue so it's why manufacturers also have to take their responsibility and try to do everything so that they can place their device uh, on the market another category of products is for example the companion diagnostics I remember we discussed that also with um, um, Maurizio Tsupo uh, from um, uh, from um, the from, on on the podcast where we discussed about the fact that. Companion diagnostics were not you were not uh, if I can say were self-certified. So meaning that companies can place their companion diagnostic without any any problem on the market. And now with the in vitro diagnostic regulation, they will need a notified body first, and they will need also the intervention maybe of uh, external authority to review what is this uh, companion diagnostic doing because. This companion diagnostic is a companion to a drug. So many, it was like a screening uh, a certain disease so that to check some markers uh, so that uh, the drug can really work on those markers. So some cancer markers also. So it's the same. It was self-certified before. And now you will need uh, the intervention of a notified body, which can be really uh, something that is uh, a problem. Uh, and we can maybe have some disruptions of those products on the market just because of that. Usually the uh, the pharmaceutical companies are subcontracting those kind of companion diagnostic to some other companies. Uh, so they are not placing those devices on the market by themselves. They just ask somebody else to uh, to to supply them those uh, those companion diagnostics. So those drug companies should also push their subcontractors to uh, to transition to uh, in vitro diagnostic regulation so that they can continue to supply their companion diagnostic without uh, without any problem. So this is really something that is um, uh, an alert. Well, the, this episode is mainly an alert. What I will try to do is to uh, provide you more information about uh, in vitro diagnostic because yeah, we have still one year, but uh, this year will be really tough. And with the coronavirus situation, 
we had already some late uh, some some issues in terms of MDR to get certified. There is uh, some um, some virtual audits that are happening. I mean, if if possible. Uh, so what we don't want is that next year uh, there will be also the same situation with the. Uh, in vitro diagnostics. So let's start now this journey. Uh, I will place also more and more on my shop uh, some templates uh, for in vitro diagnostic uh, regulation and also in vitro diagnostic directive uh, so that you can also start the transition of your products. But if you need any support for this transition, so don't hesitate also to contact me. Uh, we can try to find a solution for you and try to place, if I can say, uh, the, uh, to create the right documentation for you uh, because it's something that is uh, really urgent so that you can really uh, be able to place your device on the market. So don't hesitate to contact. Um, in terms of uh, the episode, so um, one of the episodes that I'm preparing now is about the performance evaluation. Uh, it's something that is really uh, important also that you are evaluating the performance. It's the same as the clinical evaluation for medical devices, but here is more performance evaluation. So we have the plan and the report. So we'll be working uh, on this episode and we'll be uh, providing that to you as soon as possible. Okay, so it was a short episode just to explain to you, as I've said, uh, all about uh, in vitro diagnostic classification. Uh, so if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me. I will place a lot of uh, resources on the show notes. So don't hesitate to go there and to, um, to uh, pick them. And if you have any question or maybe if you have any topic that you want me to also to cover within this podcast about in vitro diagnostics. So don't hesitate. I would be really happy to prepare something for you or to also to find the right person that can come and uh, that I can interview uh, for, for this episode. Uh, for sure, we'll have a lot of episodes, one about uh, companion diagnostic, one about laboratory testing also, because it's something that uh, a lot of people are asking me, so I'm preparing that also. So there is a lot of topics that are existing also on the in vitro diagnostic uh, regulation that we want also to talk about. So don't hesitate to uh, let me know if there is any question or anything that we can uh, work on. Okay, so it was a pleasure. Uh, don't hesitate to go to the YouTube channel uh, to put a like or so comment. Uh, also go on the, your, um, on your uh, provider, on your podcast provider, where you can also put a, a comment just to say that you like the episode. Uh, and don't hesitate also to share uh, these episodes, so the podcast episode, uh, to uh, any people that are really interested to, uh, to get more information about, uh, about uh, EUMDR or in vitro diagnostic regulation or anything related anyway to quality and regulatory affairs because my topics are really broad. Uh, so I'm trying really to help you on all those kind of uh, elements. Okay, so really thank you. I wish you uh, a nice day and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.